The way that it was rigged made it really hard to skate. It was swinging a little bit. Like I, I skate, you know, and this was hard to skate, especially with the parachute and at altitude paired with just the elevation. It, it was really difficult. And you've skated for so long. You were in the X Games when you were 16? 16. And it's all I did. I lived and breathed that. I remember I was actually in Mexico in 1999, I think it was the year, and I was just switching through the channels. And I somehow landed on the X Games as Tony Hawk was dropping in for the first 900 ever. And I watched it and it it just resonated with me. I was like, I want to do this. When I started skating, there was just no looking back. I want to be sponsored so bad. You live my dream as a kid. I mean, it came with a, a big price. I have a body of a 50 year old. I remember I had this crazy epiphany one day. I'll never forget it. I was sitting there thinking about what I wanted to do. I felt like I had just overlooked what was right in front of me the whole time. And at that point I realized I'm kind of doing what I already want to do. I just need to figure out how to monetize it. I've never really compromised what I wanted to put out for what was working at the time. Never really used trending audio. I never really used like real templates and all the things that people kind of leverage to grow. It goes back to just to do this for myself before anyone else, you know? I'll do it with or without social media. So it really just comes down to me making stuff for myself. And then if people like it, that's great. I'm a freelance creative. I don't work for anyone, but I work probably more than, you know, my brother who's at his finance shop. <laughs> it's like they, they say, what, you give up the nine to five to work? 24 seven, <laughs> no joke. <laughs>some mishaps that yeah. happened along the way up in the air some mishaps up in the air it reminded me a little bit of you you know something about a drone crash something something just kind of uh it just felt reminiscent of something <laughs> i might i might do if i was up there on this on this sh in the shoot one of the coolest things about him is that he was like a pro skater for a little while and was competing in the x games until unfortunately he tours acl not once twice which is crazy but he was saying how he was in this limbo period where you know he thought he was going to be a pro skater for the rest of his life he didn't know anything else besides that and then he's kind of in this you know not knowing what he wants to do with his life and i related that on a smaller level to you know i played baseball my whole life i wanted to try to play in college and potentially go pro obviously like that was not ever going to be in the cards for me but uh, <laughs> But I remember dealing with a little bit of an identity crisis of like, I've spent so much time like playing baseball and it's kind of all I knew. And then there was a time period where I was like, I don't really know who I am, what my identity is. And then I eventually I found the camera so I could relate to him on that level. Yeah, and I feel like he really found his passion that was staring at him this entire time. Yeah. He talked about when he was in that limbo period, how he's like, I gotta, I was, he was super hard on himself. I yeah. gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with my life. I gotta figure out, you know, what my next move is going to be. And he's like, dude, I feel like I'm doing it right now. I just need to keep doing it consistently and everything else is kind of gonna fall into place. It's funny though to look back on that time period when he was making YouTube videos like very heavily like he yeah. still makes a lot of YouTube videos But I remember when I was starting out. I didn't even know it was Brendan I had no idea it all clicked for me on the pod when he's talking about these people that he was working with I'm like that was you filming these videos. So 
it, it's a very interesting conversation and i feel like i'm in a limbo period right now dude with my fucking hand i can't use my hand your right hand is twice the size of your left it's great and you would think that i just got in a great fight and i wish there was an awesome story to this but see the other guy yeah you should see the other guy it's literally from editing and so if you guys are editors or you might make videos behind your laptop man i'm telling you use a mouse for me just think of my hand right now i typically use a mouse but i have been switching for about the last month i've been using my laptop you know casually maybe i'm editing on the couch one day or at night i'm you know using my laptop and my hand the other night just swolled up it's been tender and i woke up and it was just massive and the it, tendons are very inflamed it you know it doesn't look great right now but it looks a lot better than that photo that you sent yeah. us. it literally looked like you had a softball in your hand totally and it, it's gotten not as red and not as yeah. tender like today i feel i feel a lot better than i did a week ago that's good so hopefully you know i'm you're gonna catch you have a chance to really catch up to me in the gym this <laughs> week you're gonna have a small chance listen I'm, listen i could tie this hand behind my back for a year <laughs> But uh, hopefully this, uh, you know, figures itself out. I, I'm a little scared. I think that if you're scared because I'm about to close the gap more, just no, I'm because I'm, Brendan's getting or <laughs> Brandon is getting a lot smaller day by day. His hands broken. I figured this is the perfect time to maybe do two a days capitalize. in the gym, capitalize, you know, opponents weak and down. And I think this is my Where time to shine. you hit them right in the stomach, oh, yeah. right when they're on the ground on their knees. <laughs> I uh, I can't wait, though. I don't want to hold you guys too long. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get it to 98. Brennan, give me the one-handed crack. All right. I got high hopes for you. Oh, okay. Give me a little spin. Oh, oh right, to the sip. <laughs> right to the sip. Right to the sip. Oh, you crunched it. Okay, so unfortunately, you, so you started it right here on the table. Oh, did I? You did. You did. Oh. It's a it's a big it's a big habit thing for people. So like that would be, you want to spin it without any dents. This one was that was pretty high. That was probably like in the eights. That that's an <laughs> NA, unfortunately. But I'm really happy you're here, and it's your first pod. It's I'm not good at them either. Watch like, oh yeah. See, so, uh, so the, the, the dents can't and be then, above a five. It's like we got a whole rubric. Yeah, that was one of the worst ones I've ever seen. That one wasn't bad. You just started on the table. If you didn't do it on the table. We would have been in the eights, but uh, it's all good. Braden also pads his stats a little bit because he's the one who came up with this whole <laughs> silly game, and it's all good. Cheers, fellas. Welcome Cheers. to your first pod. Cheers, man. First pod. First pod. Yep. So when you're not podcasting, you're you're jumping out of planes off of half pipes. <laughs> that was in, that was in Brazil. It was. Yeah. Okay, where where did the idea for for putting the half pipe up in you know thousand feet up in the air come to you from? um honestly a long time ago so i've been i grew up skating okay and i've been like my primary sport my whole life and then i started skydiving maybe eight years ago after i kind of had to let go of my dreams of being a pro skater i started exploring just other sports to get into and it kind of just opened up this whole new world of fun projects and things you can do and a big dream of mine like at that time we were doing a lot of balloon jumps and i mean they're they're always fun but after a while, you're like, okay, what can we do next? What can we think of that's like, this makes it a little bit more fun. And one day I was sitting there and I was like, how do I combine skating and skydiving? Two of my favorite things. And it just occurred to me to like lift a half foot. And at that time, initially, I wanted to do it from a Chinook helicopter just because I was like, huh, if I'm going to go big, I might as well go as big as I can go. Well, what would, the, what would be the difference with the helicopter? Like, it's just the ch a Chinook, like the military ones with the two. Oh, um, yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. When you, okay so. Those, like, when you just see those flying, they're 
they just have like such a, a wow factor mm-hmm. to them. And I figured if I'm going to go big with this, I might as well go as big as I can. Um, but they're really hard to get funding for. They're really expensive. <laughs> so we settled We settled with the hot air balloon. <laughs> we settled with the hot air balloon. Was it yeah. two hot air balloons or just no, one? No, just one. Just one up there. Okay. Do you have to call the Brazilian government? <laughs> no, you no. can just you can just fly anything in the air. I mean, that's a good thing about Brazil is <laughs> a little looser on the yeah, rules. A little looser on the rules for the half pipes yeah. in the air. And then you decided to to start with the trampoline because you were like, we'll we'll ease that was, into it. That was actually uh, a friend of mine's idea, and we kind of just like doubled up on the projects uh, since we were all down there. I actually didn't jump on that one, but I helped film and everything. Nice. And it, that one did super well. Like it got it got a great response. It looked super fun. Do you feel like you're f- like just trying to chase adrenaline every time in the sky to make it a little bit bigger, a little bit crazier? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's really fun. Like obviously, I I do chase adrenaline, but skydiving. When I skydive, I'm, it's not because I'm just like an adrenaline junkie and seeking this. Like there's a whole like sport to it, and um, I don't know. I actually find like peace like skydiving now. So now yeah. that you've done it so many times, do you find? Because I'm assuming. The more you do anything like that that's intense, your heart kind of just calms down. It's like, this is regular to you now. You've done it so many times. Have you skydived, Braden? Yeah, I've skydived. I lo- I've done it once. I loved it. It was fun. I was like, I could totally fit, you know, do this again. I see why you guys love it because it's super fun. It's so freeing. It's, it's like, a lot uh, to process at first. But once you kind of get over that initial hump, I mean, it's it's a whole sport and there's uh, just like an art to flying your body. It's like dancing in the sky. So if we took your heart rate like now, <laughs> do you feel like your heart, you're just like pretty, like you're, at a 50, yeah, you're, like you're, you're pretty calm. mellow. You feel pretty mellow at it now. Do you get any of those yeah. jitters at all? <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, on certain jumps and certain projects for sure. Um, but no, like w- w- when you're in the plane, it's a completely different experience yeah. than your first couple of times. Yeah. And you've like, just done it so we'll many even, times. I'll even take a nap. Like going. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay. So we, we fly up in the hot air balloon and are, are you guys just on the ground? Do you just like, Hey, I'm just going to lay in the half pipe as the balloon kind of takes us up. Or do you, do you climb a little ladder down to the half pipe? So on that one, I actually repelled down at altitude on some James um, Bond type shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Through the ladder, he's like, I got the board in my right hand. No, actually, I strapped the board to the ramp. Oh, okay. So I just rappelled down from the the basket. But it was still like 50 feet at like 8,000 feet. 8,000 feet. Oh, my gosh. Your ability to hang on to the board after you like jumped is very impressive. Thank you. You held on for a minute. I almost lost it. Like It's actually really hard. People are giving me shit for the... Can I say shit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, cuss up a storm. Um, (laughs) People are giving me shit for just the air I did off of it, but it's like I'm skating with like a 25, 30 pound rig. And oh, they're, dude, they're giving you shit for like not going big enough? They're like, you didn't kickflip, like, yeah. dude, and catch it in the air. <laughs> I mean, I, I was getting it, it. It got a lot of comments and they all said the three, three of the same things. <laughs> <laughs> what were the other two? You didn't go big enough and what else? Something about points and Tony Hawk. Like that's <laughs> not funny. getting enough like, points. Or going off the map. This is what happens when I go off the map. Oh, that's Tony Hawk. funny. Dude, um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so what, like, were there any challenges that arose, like, um, trying to pull this off? Oh, yeah. And, and what were those? So initially, like I said, we were, I was trying to do it from a Chinook helicopter and those run about 12,000 an hour to rent. Damn. You gotta be and, out there quick. <laughs> yeah. On top of that, there's just a ton of other moving parts uh, with a project like this. Um, and because I wanted to do it from a Chinook, it's pretty much it's cheaper to go to them than to fly them to you uh, as far as like the heli time. So 
it was just this like never ending logistical nightmare of just figuring out how to get the ramp there and uh, get all the production there and trying to line it up with everyone's schedules um, because the Chinox, they're never really in one place for long. Like the government contracts them out. They use them to fight fires. They're kind of moving all over the place. Um, so that on top of the funding was super hard to secure. And after, like I thought of this maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, and I actively tried to do it for a long time. Wow. Um, did you know you always wanted to do it in Brazil or did it no. just line up like that? No, it just kind of happened. Um, basically, one of my good friends, I told him about the idea and initially I'd asked him to be a part of it. And he kind of took it on his behalf to set up a lot of the stuff in Brazil. And so that's where we nice to have uh, a buddy that's yeah. just like, I'm down. Oh, let's go. Let's go jump off that. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so did you have you talked about the funding? Is there a brand that was on board for this? So this was a South American SIM card company. Oh, OK. Wow. Yeah. And it, you're like, it's way better service up here, like with the SIM card. <laughs> well, we actually we didn't have to do anything with the product. Uh, just had to have branding on the, the half. So nice. It's oh, pretty easy. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> kind of yeah, like no set deliverables. Yeah. And so, okay, I see that there's a drone taking photos out, outside of the That thing. wasn't a drone. That wasn't a drone. That what was it? our friend hanging off a, a line that we rigged to the top of the balloon. No way. Yeah, thank God he was there because, so this is another thing. I had set up the project here okay. as far as production, logistics, just everything A to Z for the stunt. I kind of had to go blindly into this Brazil situation and I didn't really have control over just the whole production. That being said, the team that was put together really wasn't, I don't want to say qualified for this, but I, I would have done different. And the drone pilot, there was only one. Like Normally I would have had someone on like static drone, like flying a Mavic or Inspire, and then I would have brought Johnny, <laughs> secret weapon. And <laughs> to chase you guys down. Just to, just to have like dynamic footage with just kind of, yeah and this the the fpv guy that we had there he lost the drone on takeoff no <laughs> yeah just gone gone and so he's, so he's taking off like you guys are all up in the hot we're in balloon. the basket and he for some reason decides to take off on the side where all the rigging is there's like four <laughs> lines completely open on this side and he, <laughs> he tries to take off through it and clips the wire and i didn't even fully see it i just heard it and i'm like oh no <laughs> Oh. It's a, it's like a super oh. distinct sound. Oh, I know the sound very well. Yeah. Brain loves to <laughs> yeah, try to fly I, I crash the drones all the time. Yeah. It's fun. I know that terrible sound that you're talking about. What other gear did you guys use to shoot? So we rigged camera. We rigged like GoPros on the ramp. And then we had a couple people with DSLRs in the basket. And then, I mean, the main cam at that point was supposed to be the FPV flyer. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lost that on the get-go. <laughs> so thank God our friend was hanging off on the rope. Yeah. When you say hanging off, what do you mean by that? Like he, he's literally just, hanging off. But like, like, so he's at the basket. He, he, he's wearing a skydive rig. Okay. So the top of the balloon is here. Okay. We rigged a line that comes off the balloon and hangs out about 50 feet. And he's just harnessed into that line <laughs> dangling. And he took off from the ground like this. No. Wow. So just, oh my gosh. So funny. Just posted up next to you guys, yeah. freezing so that's cold how we, up there. That's how we got a lot of those photos. Um, and then does he cut off at a point and send it or no? He's, he's So we actually had to pull him in. Oh, so that, that line then wrapped down to the ramp. And so we pulled him in and then he 
jumped from the room. Jumped with you guys. <laughs> so how many people were stuck up in the balloon the whole time? I think there was about five people in the basket. Wow. And how long does it take a hot air balloon to get up to 8,000 feet? I mean, it depends how how hard they're cranking it. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can climb pretty fast, um, but something like that, it's a slower ascend. Sure. Just because you're not trying to create like crazy. Yeah. As like someone who creates insane content around travel and extreme sports, you go into this crazy stunt. In your mind, do you have what kind of content you want to get out of it? Or is it like, we get what we get and then we'll see in the edit? So it's a little bit of both, right? So this project, I've thought about it for a long time, you know, and in doing so, obviously you imagine what it looks like visually and you try to be as prepared for just the day as, as you can be. But with a stunt like this, especially balloons, there's so many variables you just can't account for um, where the balloons taking off because it, it depends on the wind. They completely change its locations. Then shots you'd imagined in one place might not line up for, for this. Um, and especially like going to a place like Brazil, I really had no idea what this area was like and just kind of what the just the setting was, you know. So it, I tried to be as prepared as I could be as far as just coming up with a shot list and thinking about what the key shots were. I missed a lot of them. <laughs> and <laughs> got to run it back. Show the drone. <laughs> and then just when it comes down to it, just, you know, being as prepared as we can and just making the best decisions that we can. Yeah. Yeah. Since the since the stunt, have brands been reaching out to you like, hey, I want you to put another half pipe up with our brand on the on the, on the thing. No, it's actually the contrary. So because it really wasn't what I wanted from a at a production level i've been trying to get funding to do it again so if any brands want to get involved with a cool project let me know i feel like gopro must have seen it i would feel like they would reach out and be like this is epic like let's do that gopro i would do it with yeah so people were always like why didn't you go to red bull and i could have taken this to red bull seven years ago before they even did their uh bmx stunt and I didn't really want to just because everyone would expect it from them. Mm. And I kind of wanted just to, I wanted to do it on our own and have, I imagine like Red Bull's marketing team, like what, like how are these <laughs> kids doing this and what, what do we pay you guys for, you know? Um, and I didn't really want that to take away from the project. Totally. You just see Red Bull logo and you're like, oh, Red Bull again, you know? Is there another- Respect it, to Red Bull. Now. Yeah. Is there another crazy stunt that is in, in the works or that you've had a plan to pull off? In the future? I mean, I'm always trying to conceptualize new ideas. And like I have a couple loose ones, but something I've learned is I don't like to, I like to stay focused on certain tasks at hand and just get them done right. And so while I could be thinking about other projects, I really just want to do this one right right now. And then I'll move on to the next one. Because you don't clear up the headspace. Because you don't feel like you did it as well as you could have. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the satisfaction from gotcha. it. So I was going to ask, like, you jump, okay, you take off on the half pipe. A couple things. One, was it just that single jump that you did, or were you skating on the on the ramp for a little bit? Oh no, we were skating on the ramp. So that was another thing: is the way that it was rigged made it really hard to skate, mm. and so it was it was swinging a little bit, and so. <laughs> I mean, not a lot, but enough that like I, I skate, you know, and this was hard to skate, especially with the parachute. Um, and I, I did a couple of days training on the ramp before just skating on the ground with my parachute and I had all my tricks that I wanted to get. 
and at altitude paired with just the elevation it, it was really difficult so i, I, I want to rig it better i want to shoot it better and i want to put out the video i want to put out and i'm not going to put out a video until i can do gotcha. it right. so only only a little snippet that we saw on at that point my friend was already gonna i in a perfect world i wouldn't have dropped anything from the project until i could have just put out the video i wanted to put out but because my friend was gonna post about post about it anyways the cat was out of the bag and i figured <laughs> you're just like, yeah, you're like i'll just settle for a 3.2 million view <laughs> reel it's all yeah. good well it, it ironically it did better it did good and it probably did yeah. way better than the, uh, an edited video that i sure. would have spent a lot of time on so. <laughs> so you you jump and um you as soon as your feet hit the ground and you kind of get to process everything do you immediately have that like, damn, I know this could have gone better? Or are you like, this is really cool that we were able to pull this off? So I've had projects where you land and just the soak is there, you know, that you did it as best you could and that you came out of it with a good product and a good experience. This, there was a lot wrong um, just from the get-go, you know, like the, losing the drone. <laughs> immediately, you're just like, okay, there goes a lot of the key shots. Um, trying to keep a good vibe and in the then, sky at 8,000 feet. And then just the difficulty skating it. You know, I was immediately when I landed, I was like, okay, there's things that we can improve. Mm. And I didn't get the satisfaction that I should have after doing something I've dreamt of doing for seven years. You know? yeah. And you've skated for so long. You were in the X Games when you were 16? 16. 16. Yeah. Wow. So you <laughs> That's crazy. When did you start skating? Super young? Uh, when I was about eight or nine. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it's all I did. I lived and breathed that. Okay. Did, were you going to like Woodward and stuff like oh, yeah. that? Okay. I would, there was back when I started skating, there, there wasn't really any skate parks in LA. There was Encino or Pedlo in the Valley. And then skate lab. There, you ever hit that? There was skate lab. I went all the time. Let's go. Um, and then in Venice, I mean, you didn't have the main park. You had the little art park and that was pretty much it as far as skate parks in LA. But I would spend every week of summer at Pedlo skate park. If I wasn't at Woodward, then I would, I would do summer camp at Pedlo. Wow. I hit Woodward one week or like one week of the summer when I was in, I think like high school. I always wanted to go. My mom was like, yeah, are you, I don't so know, if, fun. is this the real, is this real? I'm like, yes, mom. It's like extreme sports are like a thing. It was <laughs> incredible. I wish I could go back. Have oh, you done the God. snowboarding Woodward? No. So that's, I think that's, what, what state is that in? Mm. I'm not sure. Is that, I just know they do a snowboarding one. Is that Woodward? I think it's another camp. Windles. I think it's Windles. Oh. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Woodward does it. Too. I thought Woodward had a snow one, but and so are you, are, are you? Were you in your head trying to go X Games or bus type thing when you were younger, or did it just slowly start to happen? Like you get sponsored for skating, you're like, oh, I could maybe make a career out of skateboarding. I mean, from the second I started and saw, I remember I was actually in Mexico in 1999. I think it was the year, and I was just switching through the channels, and I somehow landed on the x games as tony hawk was dropping in for the first 900 ever wow and i watched it and it just it resonated with me i was like i want to do this and so i got went home bought a skateboard and I, like my whole life i've been super purpose driven and when i started skating there was just no looking back so but that's it, it wasn't it wasn't like i want to go to the x games and be the best i just thought it was so cool and and growing up the culture was really fun just to 
I think evolved with. every kid in our, our little area. You're how old? How old are you? 31. Yeah, right there. Like right in that pocket. We all yeah. skated when we were younger. It was like the most fun thing ever. I wanted to be sponsored. So I remember <laughs> my aunt making the tape on a crappy little point and shoot camera. I was like, we got to go outside. I got to hold up the sign. Braden, age 12, like doing kick. I'm like, let me show you my tricks. Flat ground, like flat ground skateboarder. I wanted to be sponsored so bad. You lived my dream as a kid. <laughs> I mean, it came with a, a lot of. A lot of a big price. Yeah, my body. I have a body of a fifty-year-old. Maybe. Really? Do you yeah. do you feel like now you're just your joints are just aching? That's why you're always um, you're doing flying things. I, so that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So skydiving. Either is really easy on the body or ends your body. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's definitely not as bad as it could have been. But by the time I was eighteen, I had had so many injuries that are just the human body should not have to endure, and I still pay the price for this like i don't have an ac i haven't had an acl for like 10 years you don't need those it's yeah. all good, those, are, those are old school dude we is, don't do those anymore. is the uh is the 900 by tony hawk what you want to do up with the with the half pipe no. to get the max points <laughs> from the kids in the comments <laughs> i mean the irony is i probably did about a 900 off the ramp yeah but yeah because you just kept on spinning i was like damn he's just holding on to that yeah. oh my god what uh what tricks do you want to pull off I mean, so normally I grew up skating transition uh, street, yeah. but now just because my knees are pretty bad, I mainly skate transition. And okay. so I do a lot of just coping grinds and just like reverts and stuff on the lip that is really fun. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I had all the tricks on the ground. So I thought it'd be, I thought it was what I was going to be doing at altitude. But yeah, a little different when you're 8,000 feet in the air. So you, you had an injury, though, a big injury that ended the whole skating career. Was that you yes. were 18 when that happened? I was 18 filming for a video part on, I forget what the, I forget the, the platform that it was for. But I was out in, at this rail in Glendale and I was doing a trick that I had learned not too long before, but never really taken it to the streets. And I was skating a really steep rail, and just one of the one of the t attempts. It was like a switch big spin board slide on this handrail, and a switch what? Switch big spin board slide. Fuck. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> and I had I got into it with my weight a little far back, and because the the rail was so steep, my board just shot out, and I landed oh. like this, and my knee just buckled to the ground oh. that way. I left. And I kind of went over it to the right. And it was just such a traumatic injury. I'll never forget it. Oh my God. Um, and it, it, it took forever to recover from that. I got surgery, spent about a year in recovery, started skating again, still wanted to pursue the dream. And then I tore it again. Oh no. <laughs> and at that point I was like, all right, so the dream is changing now. Um, still want to skate, but that's when I started just figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. Were you the guy that was filming also while skating or the filming came way later? So, I mean, we started filming, God, like I think the first YouTube video I uploaded was like the same year it was created or, or the year after. And the way it works is you kind of have your group of friends and then one kid has a camera, yep. you know, and he's the filmer. Um, and so we were all just kind of working on our parts and just constantly out in the streets filming stuff. And then at points we would start filming each other and it just, that's where I really started to get involved with just like creating, you know, and obviously it's in a way different form then, but it kind of planted the seed. Totally. 
what we do today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when I was in, I mean, my whole life, I grew up playing baseball. I did skate as well just for fun, but I was not, you know, I could kickflip and that's about it. And baseball was like my whole life. There came a point where I like fell out of love with playing the game, but because I had been playing for so long and wanted to, you know, potentially go to college and, you know, before I knew that I was only going to be like five, nine, you know, potentially go pro. But my whole identity was wrapped up in playing baseball. And then there came a point where like, I just didn't want to play anymore. And I fell out of love with the game. And because my identity was so wrapped up in being a baseball player, when I fell out of love with playing, I felt like I didn't know who I was. I felt like I went through an identity crisis. Did you go through something similar when you realized that, okay, I've torn my ACL twice and becoming a pro skater is like no longer in the cards for me? For sure. Um, like I said, my whole life I've been super purpose driven. And up until that point, from nine to 18, I lived and breathed skating. That's all I did. Didn't really party, didn't go out on the weekends. I skated at night, didn't really chase girls. And so once I was forced to kind of reconsider and take a step back from everything, I was just in like a limbo period almost. And I started, I was really hard on myself during this period too, just because, like I said, like my whole life, I really knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to get good at. Um, I had something to focus all my energy into. And then during this period, I, I just had to redirect all that. And I started trying all these different things, like started a tech company, I was working nightlife. I was also going, started going to college at the same time, started partying, doing all the normal stuff, but it wasn't really fulfilling for me. And I spent years kind of in this limbo period. And this was like before social media was even a thing, probably 2012, 2011, 2012. Um, but I knew the things that I loved. You know, I love action sports. I love traveling. I love just having fun and good experiences. But at this day and age, you weren't really able to monetize that yet. Like there, was, there wasn't really personal brands, there was no influencers. So it wasn't really clear to me at that point. And I remember just being so hard on myself, trying to just force myself to figure out my, my next career action and what, what I was gonna do with my life. And that kind of just coincided with the dawn of like social media and the travel space and influencers. And after a couple of years of this kind of limbo period, I remember I had this crazy epiphany one day. I'll never forget it. And I was, I was sitting there thinking about what I wanted to do. And I felt like I had just overlooked what was right in front of me the whole time. And at that point I realized I'm kind of doing what I already want to do. I just need to figure out how to monetize it. And that kind of got validated when, like I said, the whole social media, era just started to boom and suddenly people were getting brand deals and like making money traveling and um as soon as i had that epiphany i kind of never looked back and i'm still on that one wow yeah <laughs> was there someone that you were able to talk to um that kind of guided you along that process of like okay you maybe see them doing or maybe you're like traveling or, or doing what you're doing with somebody who's also monetizing it. Is there someone who you got guidance from or was this something that you were like, all right, Instagram's popping, I'm doing all these cool things, you know, let me make content around it and let's see if I can work with some brands. So like I said, I've always been into action sports and traveling and all that stuff. And with or without Instagram, I'm always gonna be into that. 
I was kind of, I was posting all that stuff, obviously like very premature compared to now. Um, and it was getting like a good response and that fe- that response kind of funneled back into what I was doing and it created this kind of loop, you know? And that's kind of what motivated me to just keep pushing, keep pushing. And at that point, like I said, there wasn't really any case studies of uh, an influencer's career trajectory and what you can do with this. Like, I think my friend Jay was like one of the first people to really monetize travel content and create like a travel influencer or whatever. And I mean, that looking at that and what he built was kind of the only reference you had as far as what you can do, what the potential is. But there wasn't really anyone to guide my hand and say, you should do this. You should focus on this because that part of history had not been written yet. Yeah. No, yeah. Now kids growing up can be, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. And kind of this is the the whole career trajectory and what you can do. And there's tons of stuff online. But at that day, we were just really just figuring it out as we went. Would you take a trip, come back, work another job, save up bread and then go go travel out again? So I was still working nightlife at this point. Like I was promoting nightclubs. Okay. Which ones? Oh man, a lot. <laughs> Hyde, yeah. Poppy, Bootsy. So I, I was. Let's go. <laughs> I worked at Hyde for like five years. We opened that in fuck what year was that? 2012. Nice. Um, Hyde, One Oak, Teddy's, DVA. Uh, I'm blanking on a lot of them. I worked at like seven, eight clubs. Nice through my own parties like that that's pretty much how and that happened very organically like my friends and i were just going out and we were bringing a good crew to the bar and just buying drinks at the bar the old hide which is now off sunset Mm. and one of the one of the managers came up to us one night and was like why don't we give you guys a table next week and we'll pay you like 150 bucks and we were like what (laughs) You're, you're gonna pay us and give us a table like we're buying drinks at the bar at this point so that's kind of how it just happened it was never like oh i want to be a promoter yada yada and at that point we were going out all the time and it was just very organic like i grew up in la i have tons of different friend groups here it wasn't like i ever really needed to try to get people out it just kind of happened especially at that age you know um so that's honestly what i used to to support myself during those years and especially until i went full-time into my creative career that I wouldn't have been able to do it without that because I worked, you know, a couple hours a day, four or five days a week at night, had my days free, made good money and could invest into developing the skill sets I wanted. Um, and then when the gap between kind of my freelance career and nightlife just got close enough, I just made the leap full time. Nice. Were, were there were there brands that were hitting you up or were you having to do outreach for the trips? How did that how did so, because I'm assuming like. A tourism board immediately wasn't just saying, hey, you know, Brendan, we want you to come out. Like, what, what did it look like in those beginning days? So I was kind of lucky in that sense. Like, you kind of had first movers advantage. There wasn't really a ton of competition in the space. It wasn't as saturated as it is now. People weren't as desensitized to everything as they are now. And so it kind of just, like, took off, you know? I didn't really, I never really did outreach at the beginning. I just took what was coming to me. And between... <laughs> I signed with the management company pretty fast, like my manager, Ben Cohen. Uh, he was at full screen before, and I signed with him when I had like 5,000 followers or something, because uh, just because he, he liked what I was doing. And he left, started his own management company. Between that, my network just from growing up in LA and 
you know, just being proactive on social, those were kind of like my three main funnels for just bringing in work. And I never really had to do much outreach. Like my first year or two, I don't think I ever pitched a brand on something. I was just taking what was coming to me. That's great. And more so, I wasn't, I wasn't so focused on making money. I was more focused on just pushing what I was doing and developing as a creative. And, you know, like I, I never went to school for anything like I went to school for business you know I didn't I didn't I never knew how to edit photos or videos and so I just wanted to just get good was there a first brand deal that came in after you're doing a few where you're like oh this check's kind of you know maybe a little bit different maybe a little bigger than what I'm used to and you're like oh there's really some serious money in this so I think around 20 late 2015 early 2016 I put out this one video and this video was kind of I mean, now it's a little, I look back on it and it's cringy, but <laughs> at the time it was very like forward for me. Was it and the it, limitless one? Yeah. And so that kind of like put me on the map as far as just what I was doing. And after that, I started getting a bunch of offers from companies. Hey, can you make a, a video like that for my brand? And I remember my friend Alex, who had this company called Hawkers, he paid me like five or six grand to make him a video like that. And obviously it's not major, uh, compared to other budgets that are getting flown around, but, but that, it, it mean, made me realize I was yeah, like, "Whoa!" Like, totally. You know, there's a lot of potential here, and that's just one video too. Yeah, one know? video. Yeah, so. <laughs> wow. I, I I would be doing this for free anyway. Like <laughs> yeah. the fact that I'm getting <laughs> oh, a five six k bag yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Oh that's my so gosh. Yeah. Did you start to do like were other people in your friend group out here doing it as well, or how, who was one of the first people that you met, kind of in this travel space that you were like, "Hey." You're also doing this thing, making money with this new career that like no one believes is actually real and true. Yeah, because, okay, my whole struggle with traveling is I like to take photos. And if I'm going to take a trip, I want banger photos of me as well. <laughs> and so you kind of got to like curate your squad carefully because no, important. if you're trying yeah. to, if you're trying to get content like for social media or just like get banger shots, like you kind of got to travel with people who know how to use a camera as well. <laughs> Makes it way easier. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that day and age, my friend Jay was obviously, he, he helped me in a lot, uh, when and I was first starting did out. Did you meet Jay early on in your career? Better in like 2015. Okay. I think so. Well, around, so like around he was, the beginning, yeah. He, he was, was, yeah, he was, he was just exploding, exploding yeah. the scene. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he helped me out. He took me on some of my first jobs and just gave me a lot of opportunities. And then I would say my friend Adam, like we had this YouTube channel back in the day. It was called Join the Wolves. Oh, and Adam Horowitz. Adam Horowitz. Yeah, Adam Horowitz. So okay. Him, Tyler, uh, Cam, this kid Cameron, Brandon Amato. Those are kind of like you're in the very beginning yeah, of like yeah. travel days, man. That's so <laughs> it was great. It's so good wild. Time. Those are good times. <laughs> oh my Dude, I remember gosh. watching. Was it uh, what? What was it? This is it Escape with Wolves? Yeah, or? that was our channel. Yeah. Dude, I remember watching them be like, dude. These guys are so fucking cool. Like yeah, just traveling. Fun. I remember these videos. Crazy. Yeah, I watched these videos too. Yeah, of you guys, uh, that specific channel. I remember watching back in the day. Yeah, so that I, it was very like ahead of its time in that sense. Like that was probably the first year that like travel content became a yeah. thing. It's exploding during yeah. that time period. Blue and ass water. It's <laughs> going water. crazy. And <laughs> and we were just having so much fun. Like that's when I look back on it. Like. It was just an authentic time. Like we weren't really doing anything other than just living life and having a great time and like filming and the videos kind of came second, you know? Um, it wasn't like we were doing all this to create videos. Like we were, we were just 
trying to maximize the fun and have the best experiences that we could and filming it. And, yeah. That's awesome. So there's a misconception I feel like around social media that people might think you need, you know, millions of followers or even hundreds of thousands of followers to to monetize and make a career out of this. I followed you a while ago and I want to say you were around like 15 or 20k. You said that your manager signed you at the time with like 5,000 followers. Can you talk about being able to monetize a personal brand even if maybe you don't have like hundreds of thousands or millions of followers? You know, for sure. I mean, I think it's something as a creative, you're constantly juggling the creative side of what you're doing, but you got to remember like this is also a business and I feel like people don't really find a balance between the two and it definitely helps. Like I was able to find a management company early on that really helps streamline a lot of the back end uh, logistics of what it takes to run this as a business, you know, all the contracts, negotiations, usage rights and stuff I don't really want to be focusing my time on that paired with just being able to like create funnels for work to come in like i said i had the management company i had a great network uh, growing up here in la and then i was just really active on social media and, and was kind of there on the, the the forefront of this whole wave and just having those three channels really just funneled a lot of work for me you don't really need a ton of followers especially nowadays like there's the whole micro creator economy and ugc uh, industry is huge and there's tons of opportunities you just have to be hungry you have to be looking for it it's a little harder now than it was just because it's more saturated but i mean the the industry is bigger than ever you know more money is going into what we're doing than ever and there's a lot of opportunity it just takes a little bit more looking for in your specific industry how do you feel like it has changed because you've been in it for a while you've seen you were in the very beginning days of it now there's a lot of people that are doing travel content some people also think that it's not possible anymore which i disagree with i think it's very possible still but i know it's harder now what in your opinion has changed from you know maybe in these last few years to where we're at right now in 2024 i think just the impact of what we're doing as far as how it makes you feel and how much it inspires you because in those early days i mean this had never really been seen before so you could look at a travel like a cinematic travel video and it was just eye candy you know and after a couple of years you you just get everyone it's natural you get desensitized to it you know you've seen this you've seen this location you've seen a lot of this person whatever um and that's when everyone started kind of gearing more towards storytelling and i feel like there's just going to be a constant evolution of just what people want to see and what moves the needle as far as inspiring them and making an impactful piece of content. How has your uh, specific content strategy changed since maybe 2016 you're going out and just making like one sick video for YouTube um, and maybe getting some shots for Instagram? Has your strategy changed or is it? It really hasn't that much. And that's if my end goal was to grow as much as I can on Instagram and monetize as much as i can obviously i want to monetize but for me it was never about that it was about creating what i want to create and i've never really i've never really compromised what i wanted to put out for what was working at the time you know like i never i don't never really use trending audio i never really use like real templates and all the things that people kind of leverage to grow and i mean i probably should <laughs> since i'm doing this as a career but it goes back to just me not really wanting, like I do this for myself, 
before any before anyone else you know and i'm gonna i'll do it with or without social media um so it really just comes down to me making stuff for myself and then if people like it that's great you know yeah, and then I feel like you get to stay true to that that content that you're making. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, like so I, I stay predominantly in the three verticals that are kind of like my pillars of life: action, sports, travel, <laughs> lifestyle. I mean, yeah, you turn you turn things that you enjoy, which I feel like is everyone's everyone's dream, man. There was a there was a stat that I saw the other day that it was like 68 percent of Americans don't like their job, which is a really high stat. Very scary to think about, and you managed to make all three of the most fun things that you enjoy your job <laughs> well you beat the stat <laughs> this this goes back to that period of my life where i was really just beating myself for an answer about bigger purpose and what, what was i going to do with all my time and that's when i was looking like I, that's when i said i kind of i felt like i was just looking past what was right in front of me you know i was like oh exploring tech jobs exploring all these potential business opportunities, real estate, like whatever I thought was going to make me the most money or whatever. But it wasn't really true to like who I am and what I love to do as a person. And that's when I had that epiphany moment. I was like, this has kind of been in front of me the whole time. I felt like I've overlooked it. And these are things that I love and that are, that make me me. And that's like some of the best advice I've ever gotten is just, you know, follow what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, I agree. I think when you have when you follow something you're passionate about too, you work ten times harder because you you totally. enjoy it, dude. You're like, dude, you I get ne- to the wake work up. Never stops. It never I, stops. You like it so much. I'm a freelance creative. I don't work for anyone, but I work probably more than you know my brother who's at his finance job. <laughs> it's like they they say what you give up the nine to five to work twenty four twenty four seven. No joke. Yeah. That's no funny. joke. So the content you make online. I feel like you paint a picture of having this insanely incredible lifestyle and it looks amazing all the time. Is there something people may not know about you just by scrolling on your Instagram page? I work a lot. People don't see how much I actually like sit behind a computer, especially now with the companies I'm building. But that's just kind of how my feed is. Like I kind of just more put, I post work that I'm, excited to share you know i don't really post the day-to-day i don't really like filming everything uh my profile probably lock lacks like a personal kind of persona um which is something i probably should improve but it's not like i'm trying to go out there and just post the most banger stuff on instagram i just post the stuff that i'm proud of and that we're doing and just stuff that i i want to share and and it just hopefully so it doesn't happens. come off the wrong way. Like I'm not trying to, my life is by no means perfect. Like everyone's got their shit. I got my fair share of shit, but I do have a good life. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just funny. Cause it's like, it just so happens that you're doing that cool stuff all the time because <laughs> that's just how your life is now. It's awesome. <laughs> you've, you've talked to about monetizing it in different ways. So we have, we have the brand deals that come in for travel stuff, right? We have tourism boards, correct? Mm-hmm. What other things though have you done to diversify it? Cause you got a couple things in your bio now that you, one, you said that doesn't have any content on it yet that you're excited to tell us something about. Yeah. So Around 2017, 2018, I started exploring digital assets. And at that stage, it was just like presets and lets and whatnot. And it always interested me as just a product offering just because of, I mean, it's like a dream product, right? You have no cost, barely any cost of goods sold. You don't deal with any of the the real world logistical issues like inventory and lead time and 
stuff like that. And so it, it's kind of just like this infinitely scalable product uh, with behind the power of the internet that you can, I mean, if, if, you, if you do it right with the power of the internet, and it's, it's, it's a huge opportunity. And at that day and age, it was just presets and LUTs. But I always had this idea of creating something bigger and also like creating a brand out of it. Because at that point, I was just selling it on my personal website. And, but I was so busy with traveling and jobs and just, I'd never really had the time to do it until COVID. <laughs> and suddenly we're stuck, like me and five of my friends are stuck at a house up here in the hills. And I had all this extra time, you know, and I figured, okay, this is a time to start a brand, you know, and, and try and just redirect all the, the downtime and energy that we had. Um, so I, I started Creator Studios then, and I started with one product. Now I have 51. Wow. And I'm a one-man team, dude. Wow. <laughs> one-man team. I learned, I mean, it's been a crazy learning experience, you know, going from just a freelance creative that focuses on production and, you know, video editing for uh, brands to creating an e-commerce company and just learning all the ins and outs of what it actually takes on the back end to to make that work. Okay, I have lots of questions, lots of questions. I love building sites. I love yeah. marketing a product, start to finish. Digital products, big fan of Let's those. Yeah, I, had, I, I did a sound effect pack this last year that was, it, you, no one realizes how much work that shit takes until you do your first one and it takes like, oh my God, we're out, we're out capturing all this sound. I'm working with this audio engineer and I'm like, oh fuck, you need a website. You got to make sure that the funnel's working. So when they purchase, it actually sends in the thing. And then if it doesn't send them the thing, it's maybe in your spam and you got to deal with oh, yeah. all the stuff, right? What have you, what have been the biggest lessons though from making a digital product? Cause it's also fun as a creative person. A lot of people deal with, you're waiting for your next check to come from an email. You're like, okay, I need this email to come through. Whereas you might wake up tomorrow and you just made like a thousand bucks. And mm -hmm. it's a very crazy feeling to wake up and be like, oh my God, I just worked like a, I just, that video would have taken me days to do. I would have had to shoot it. And you just wake up. You're like, oh my God, this is awesome. If you make something good, people will keep coming back to you. You know, what have you learned from producing now? 51 is insane. That's crazy. What have you learned from these 51 digital products? I've learned that I mean, it's, it's an incredible opportunity to, to kind of take the power into your own hands to, to generate revenue, especially as a freelance creative. Like you said, you're very tied to a third party and a brand. And sometimes you don't have work coming in. Sometimes payments are late. And I've learned that for this next chapter of my life, I want to focus on reclaiming that power and just scaling it in my own hands. Uh, and that's why I have the marketplace. Yeah. I've also learned how difficult it is <laughs> to you know, get started in e-commerce and to do it successfully and to not like cut corners. I'm not, I'm not talking about like drop shipping and the crappy landing pages. I'm talking like actually building a brand and building quality products and building a community and uh, just everything that goes into that. Like I, I, I do, I build out the products, I build out the backend infrastructure on the site, I set up fulfillment, I package everything, I build out all the content, I build out the ads, I, Pretty much everything. Wow, it's a lot. Email marketing. I'm like, I've learned so much. Yeah, whole nine. Yeah. You you understand everything about making, selling, and yeah, know, keeping a product going. So, is Create More Studios? Does it have um, Creator Studios. Creator Studios? Does it have um, Does it have a shipping thing that's here in LA? 
So it's it's all digital products. All digital. All digital. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they they can just buy it right there. Bang. And is yeah. it and it, everything is owned by you? Everything is owned by me. Yeah. Wow. So I've I've collaborated with a couple designers and stuff uh, and sourced some products from just people that I really kind of look up to and respect. But yeah, I mean, it's I've invested a lot of money. <laughs> Gosh. A lot. And so, especially now with the new company I'm doing. Where do you find the ads are mostly hanging out at? Is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Is it Facebook? YouTube? Um, so mainly Instagram, Facebook. That's what I was testing for a long time. But like I said, I'm a one man show. And so I kind of go through periods. Okay, now I'm building products and focusing on just other aspects of the company to switching on to, to ads and marketing. Right now I've been in like super product focused, uh, but it is time to switch to ads and marketing. And honestly, I should have a full team that does everything. Are like you, I have, I have media buyers that actually run the, the ad campaigns. But as far as content team and product development team, business development team, I do everything. Is that something that you want to do this year? Is bring a few more people on, or do you like doing it yourself? I think it's been an incredible learning experience for me to do it myself. You know, like I feel like a lot of people start businesses and they don't actually know what goes into you know, bringing all that they're doing and offering into fruition. And so being able to kind of manage this process from A to Z has helped me just understand the company that I've built in so many ways, as well as really just elevated me as a creative and uh, entrepreneur, because I'm, you know, I learned it all myself. It wasn't like I was just outsourcing, hiring, you know, off-putting. And eventually, yeah, I want to let go of the reins and uh, you know, you can't can't be a one man show forever. But up until this point, I think it's been a really liberating and educational experience. And how far into COVID did the idea strike? Oh man, like a month after. Like I, I'd already been playing around with it before, just because, like I said, like I launched like my first digital products in 2018, and once I got my first couple sales while I was just at home, I was like, holy crap! You know, <laughs> making money doing nothing. This is great. Um, and that kind of planted the seed for, okay, one day I, like, I should create more products and uh, it'd be cool to, at that point, like I said, like they were all hosted on my personal website, but I've always wanted to create a brand and I felt like this was like a cool opportunity to create something that wasn't it might, like branded as me, you know, and something that is hopefully one day bigger than just myself. Yeah, totally. So, what was the first trip you took after travel bans and the whole COVID thing happened. I mean, we were traveling during. <laughs> <laughs> we snuck out of yeah. here. <laughs> Mexico. Nice. We were going to Mexico. Um, awesome. After that, fuck. You're like, I'm not gonna. You think I'm gonna stay like, in LA? When, when did travel like I, stop? I don't, I don't know. know. Or, uh, I mean, it stopped March. Yeah. I was doing. I was slammed. Like 2019, I was on a crazy run. Even beginning of 2020, I'd done like three or four trips before uh, COVID hit, and then we were locked down for the summer. Did my first trip to Mexico in August during COVID. And then at that point I was dating this girl who lived in Hawaii. I went to Hawaii around November, stayed there for like three months. We're in Hawaii. Cause I went to, I went to Kauai in I believe November of 2020. Uh, Oahu. Gotcha. Summer that 2021, I did like a three month tour, Europe, Thailand, Turkey. 
Epic. Do you always have brands that you have to work with on these trips or are some of them you just get to go and have fun? No, for sure. Um, I mean, for the most part, I've been really blessed. Like a lot of the traveling I've done has been sponsored by some sort of brand or trip or private group of people or whatever it is. Um, like I remember one year, I probably went to like 20 countries and pay for a single flight. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but not always. Like I just, I just went to Cape Town uh, over Christmas, New Year's. I paid for that myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that should be your next digital course is how to go to 20 countries <laughs> and not pay for a single flight. That's a good hook. That is a great hook on the website. One of the coolest trips you've taken was the Saudi Arabia trip that you took in 2018. How the heck did that come about? And can you tell us more about it? You know, for sure. Um, so they, that was kind of on the forefront of their whole progressive wave of trying to promote tourism and diversify away from oil. Um, and I, I saw my friend Gabs go there and just the stuff that he had put out as far as like on a content level was just, it was different. You know, I hadn't really seen any landscape like that before. I was like Jordan, like Petra vibe, but more undiscovered and, uh, like in this space, you're kind of people are always looking for like the new place and something that people haven't seen. And this kind of just hit the nail on all that for us. Um, so we got invited to go with an agency or government agency that was put together there to promote tourism. And then that's when I mean, it was Jay, uh, myself and Johnny. We met Johnny on the plane on the way over there. And now we live together. <laughs> Wait, so when we get over there, were you were you guys nervous at all to go see Saudi Arabia? I mean, yeah, for sure. Obviously, yeah. it's like a very controversial country mm-hmm. and you have, you're kind of stigmatized to think in the Middle East, dangerous, like terrorism, whatever. But I was really blown away when I went there. Um, I mean, we spent a lot of, we didn't spend much time in the city. And obviously, there's a huge cultural difference between, you know, American, me and yes. yeah. like a Saudi city. But I, I kind of like to immerse myself in all sorts of different cultures and experiences and I don't really judge until I can make my own analysis and assessment and like I said we didn't spend too much time in the city we were going to like a lot of just location-based areas and it was really beautiful it blew me away like the the desert out there was some of the most unique landscape I've ever seen to this day was something like that are they saying hey you know Brendan you have to do this this and this or is it like hey we're giving you guys this trip do what you guys want do your thing come out of it with one video and whatever else no I mean obviously every trip every arrangement is different some have deliverables on a contract some are just completely loose um that was pretty loose but obviously you come out of it with so much content you're i mean you do more than your fair share of posting and promoting and how long did it take you to edit that video that you put out when i when i sit down it takes me a a while to sort through footage and go through all the slacks the easiest part of creating an edit for me is actually just cutting the skeleton of it that i can move once i start moving once I know kind of the storyline, visually what I want the flow to look like, I can I can move pretty fast, you know. And as over the years, my I've gotten faster and faster, just making quick decisions. Like that's something I've learned: is just make it make quick decisions. Because um, before it's like, oh, what if this clip goes mm-hmm. here? What if this, you know, when you're learning out. Um, but you'd kind of just train yourself to to evolve, and yeah. So cutting it, cutting it was not the longest part 
the longest part is usually spent on color, sound design, unique transitions, uh, After Effects comps. They spend a lot of time just waiting for After Effects to render. <laughs> yeah. Story of everyone's life. Do you have an um, M3 these days, or no? I have an M2 Pro Max, but even that, like, yeah. I just did a like a six and a half minute Venezuela video, and yeah, I put it to the test. <laughs> just just thing sizzling on you. No, for sure. What did you get to go out to Venezuela for? Uh, same type of thing. I mean, it's obviously been a controversial country. I wasn't. I'm not super political and aware of kind of the geopolitical. Uh, arena but I've heard things you know I definitely heard like inflation whatever yada yada but like I said like I don't really make my own assessment on a place until I have my own experience there and so I got the opportunity to go out there with it's suspicious Antwerp it's a company that I work with out of Belgium I've worked Is that with the a couple clothing company yeah, suspicious? yeah so they invited us to come out there for basically a skydive adventure trip uh, half jungle half islands and this, the island location was actually somewhere that I had found on Instagram in 2019, 2020. And at that point, I, I was going to set up my own trip and just pay for myself to go there. And so when this opportunity came up and it was paid for and paid, <laughs> I was like, oh, for sure. You know, it's like <laughs> no brainer. So we went and we just had like two and a half weeks of just complete madness. Heli jumps all day long into <laughs> just completely... Like something I really love is this new area. It's like things I haven't seen. And Venezuela just blew my mind. It's to, to this day, one of the coolest places I've ever seen. Like they have these things there called tapoys, which are basically like some of the first land masses to come out of the ocean. And there's, I think there's like 200, 200 to 250 in the world. And like 180 of them are in Venezuela. <laughs> wow. And so it is mind blowing to see just these 3,500 foot walls, like, like it's in the middle of the ocean no 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 no. Or so they were the first land masses to come out of the ocean oh i see yeah wow. and the it's just unreal yes and then so we, we spent the first half in the jungle at, around these tapoys it's basically like at a camp uh, at the bottom of them and we were just skydiving all day long <laughs> super great heli jumps all day long it was a dream and just then another we, day in the life baby <laughs> then we flew to this area called los roques it's basically like an archipelago 80 miles off the coast and this was visually one of the craziest things i've ever seen skydiving like comparable the only other thing i've skydived over that was on par with just this level was the blue hole in belize the just blue that whole, hole stuff was crazy yeah it was super cool but just that whole reef system the it's just on another level visually so every day you you wake up we're we're in the middle of the jungle we go do four heli jumps come down they five, got five six five six so. they got they got breakfast ready to rock and roll and then do you go explore yeah so okay. every day was different how, how did so. how'd you charge your stuff I mean they have outlets <laughs> oh I thought you were like in the jungle though it's a jungle camp but it has like okay we got a generator there there yeah I mean it's obviously like it's it's not freaking four seasons, but <laughs> no, it's you, cool. you, yeah. made, you made it, we made it seem like you guys were just like in little huts, like in, in like mud no. huts in the jungle. That's I mean, they I'm are thinking. kind of these huts, uh -huh. but they have like basic infrastructure. There's okay. power. Nice. There's okay. Food, there's power. There's, there's a power. bar. Oh, okay. We got, we, we got, got all the Wi-Fi. Oh, we got everything. Oh, they have Wi-Fi. Yeah. But as soon as you leave the camp, no. <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> no hotspot. Like, That's nothing. so crazy. That's that was really cool. Insane. Were there local people around where you were at? Or? Oh yeah. There's full. Uh, there's like 
I don't want to call them tribes, but there's like communities mm. where they're just living off the land and it's just a completely different way of life. And we went and visited a couple of them. Um, my buddy Tarzan, actually, I set him up on a trip uh, out there with the same company and he he's out there. He just went back now for like a second time and he, he loved this. He was like, I'm moving to the community. Wow. <laughs> to the community. Yeah, I saw photos of him. He was wearing like, face pain and just <laughs> like the wanted land. to wear what they were wearing and oh yeah, my no, gosh. it's cool i mean it's that's like one of my favorite things about traveling is just like experiencing a way of life that's different than your own you know totally. i think there's so many different ways to just live life and experience it and there's so much happening outside of your own bubble every single day. It's, well, I mean, especially LA, like you got to sure. get out of here. It's a bubble. Yeah. You, so you've seen so much of the world. Where Where's on the list next? Is your passport filled up? Is this, are you going yeah, like number three? Oh my God. I almost didn't get into South Africa right now because they were like, you need two full pages oh, to God. get into Africa. Wow. I was like, what? So listen, I'm a world traveler. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know you guys uh, don't really experience a lot of people mm. that are going everywhere, but... <laughs> That's no, what these things actually, are for, dude. You should I'm, tell them. But I'm that's at what the point for. now where it's like I don't really have space for like every time I give it to someone, they're like yeah. trying to figure out where they can cram it. So I actually need to go get pages added. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I just actually got a new passport because I'm going somewhere um, and it needed to be. Uh, I don't know if it was like a number of pages, but it needed. Mine was expiring this year, and it, you have to have it like not expiring. Can you yeah. keep your Why old one? How's that work? They, like, punch a hole, they punch, so a, they punch a hole in it. Okay, I was gonna say, I don't yeah. wanna give up those stamps. I, still have it. I wanna yeah. make like an art piece of all my stamps. Yeah, That's I don't wanna give up this. The stamps are great, man. Yeah. I have, I have, I've been carrying around a second passport now because I have dual citizenship. Um, Such a flex. So I, I, after the Africa incident, I started carrying it with me. Where's the second citizenship? New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand, okay, wow. My dad's a Kiwi. Oh, okay, Sick. sweet. <laughs> so yeah, where's next? I feel like you've been everywhere. New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand. <laughs> when I go, my dad's there at her house. So I'm And you haven't, have you been to New Zealand yeah. growing oh, up? Yeah. Okay. I go like at least once a year. Yeah. But what, what is it? What is one of the new spots that is not, do you have a map that you've like put I little, could, little red yeah. dots on? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I mean, I'm really focused on work right now. I have, I'm building obviously Creator Studios and then Capture, which uh, is my new company. And I kind of need to lock in and just focus on that. New Zealand, I'll go to just because it's family time. I can literally go to my house there and basically do what I'm doing here, but from there. Um, and then I probably won't start traveling again until summer. I say that now, but then things just pop up and in a week I might be gone. But summer, my friend Jacob Riglin, you know, mm. he's getting married uh, in Italy. So start off there and probably just do like a little Euro tour. I like to party and have fun in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go back to Mykonos. Yeah. You know, all the spots. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Can you tell us about Capture though? Yeah, no, for sure. As far as the, the last question. Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm trying to think, like where is somewhere that I wanna go that I haven't gone? You must have Honestly, like South, there's a lot of South America I haven't done yet. You know, and I kind of opened my eyes going to Brazil and even though I was like really, I was there only for a, sh a short period of time and was really focused on the stunt, it made me realize like, wow, I haven't really seen much of South America, whereas I've kind of explored a lot of the other continents. Um, Have you been to Peru? I also love Southeast Asia. Like I want to do more Southeast Asia. It's just great. Yeah, it's great. Have you been to uh, Peru? No. So I haven't really done much of South America at all. Dude, 
Machu Picchu absolutely blew my mind. Really? Yes. Yeah. No, it's been, all, I've seen it obviously for years and it's high on the list, but a lot of places, man. Yeah. A lot of places. Another passport is coming out, baby. Yeah. If there's someone that's going to hit him, I think <laughs> it's this guy right here. <laughs> um, so capture. Yeah. So I built Creator Studios for, I mean, first and foremost, I started building products for myself. I wasn't like, oh, I want to make money. I started like the first digital products that I created were for my own use. And through like some sales and whatnot, it made me realize a bigger opportunity. But at the core of it, now everything I build is still what I like and for myself. Like, would I use this? You know, it's not just like a cash grab. So I started building all those products and I had like a huge offering or now I have like a huge, not a huge offering, but I have like 51 products, which has come a long way from the first, first one. But it, I realized one day, everything I'm doing is more targeted towards a professional user and someone that ed uh, edits in like a professional software like Premiere, DaVinci, Final Cut, yada, yada. And I've always thought that the emerging slash bigger market was kind of the non-professional user. It was just anyone who wants to have cool photos and edits on their phone. Um, and I felt like this was just this sector was having going to have exponential growth over the next couple of years, just as content became more and more valuable. So that on top of trying to getting interested in subscription model, I kind of created the idea to consolidate what my offering into a low cost subscription model and offer assets um, in an iOS app. And basically at that time I was using I used like five or six different like mobile photo video editing apps for different things, you know, like uh, Visco for filters, Unfold for frames, Retouch for, you know, like object remover. And it's like, it kind of, it felt like I was just spread between all these platforms. And additionally, I felt like a lot of them kind of had their holes. Um, and so this paired with like the desire to kind of break into this new market gave me the idea to, you know, create something that consolidates all of that into something with really good design. <laughs> and so I, I also love just like building things, you know? So I had the idea earlier. I mean, I had the idea like two years ago, three years ago. And then this year I, about March, I decided I was really gonna just move forward with this. And so I started designing it in Figma. I've never designed an app before, nor built one. I mean, I actually had an app when I was 18, but at that point we were, we just raised money, pay a dev team. Like I wasn't really involved in the, the actual process of building it. So I spent about six months uh, on FaceTime with my friend, Michael, just designing the entire app. And you don't realize how much goes into, you know, designing something like an iOS app. Every page, every button. Font size, font weight, spacing, shapes of buttons, color scheme, but like what happens when you press this button? Oh, this page, like <laughs> just the flow. Like it, I learned a lot, you know, it took me about six months to get it dialed to a point where I was like, this is a beautiful app. And um, I feel like with, when an app runs smoothly, it's almost like like good editing where it's like you don't notice it but you really notice it if it's not good and it doesn't run frictionless yeah boom 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 ux user experience yeah wow so yeah i mean a lot of 
it, it kind of just depends like how they're built. You know, a lot of people, can, there's a lot of ways you can cut corners on development, um, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to make sure whatever is put out is going to be something that I would use, you know? such a, It's a great point you make though, because now thinking about how I use my mobile apps to edit, it's like, yeah, it's like Visco or Tezza for the filters and then the Unfold, like there's so many different ones that offer different things. It's like, well, what if there was one that had everything? So that's kind of what, yeah. that's kind of the hole I saw. Obviously it's a pretty mature space as far as like everyone's done presets on mobile before, you know, I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but what I am doing is consolidating all these different kind of segments and bringing them together with great design. That's another big thing. And like, I feel like a lot of apps now have just kind of lost focus of what they are and are trying to build like social experiences on top of the editing module and just all this other stuff. And um, yeah, like I said, like I just, I kind of saw an opportunity for this. I've gone full force into it. I'm spending crazy hours just building it, you know, what is I, it I'm, I'm actually not, I, I'm not developing it, okay. but I have a development team uh, in the Ukraine. I'm on calls with them almost every day. Um, pricing. I still need to, mm, still need to finalize it, but it won't be more than like four ninety nine seven okay. four in the four ninety nine to seven ninety nine range. I've been kind of playing around with those two numbers because mm. it, it something like this. It's not about like higher price point. It's about volume, you know. So that's under kinda, ten dollars, man. I feel like in this economy, man, can you can we get a meal for under ten dollars? No, for great sure. Great to get an iOS app for under ten dollars. But people are weird about what they spend money on. You sure. know, like they'll spend nine ninety nine on yeah. A beer they drink in you know a minute two minutes yeah. <laughs> but then like netflix they're like oh i don't want to pay for netflix you know it's like 1200 14.99 a month or whatever you know i guess subscription feels like a bigger bigger thing like a it's, bigger commitment. i think it's the commitment yeah. that people don't like mm -hmm. you know like, yeah five bucks every month you gotta <laughs> go find out how to cancel it in yeah, your, in yeah. your settings That's you also go help. through a trap door yeah. like oh Not my for gosh sure. Why why was Aperol Spritz the number one <laughs> brand that you want to work with? <laughs> I love Aperol Spritz. <laughs> Simple as that. Just the love. Especially in the summer. Like I, it's not something I drink all the time. Like my go-to drink is probably like a spicy margarita. Okay. With mezcal. But when summer hits, it is just like just something just flips <laughs> on me. And spritz, I, dude. I remember me and my friend. I don't know if I should be saying this, but my friend Ian and I, we did like two and a half months in Europe, just like hitting tons of countries in 2022. I think we were averaging like five to 10 a day <laughs> for like 70 days straight. Not good. But that, that's how, kind of how I live, you know, like when I work, like you I've work. been working, I maybe worked like 80 hours this week, 90 hours, not a single drink, you know, but when it's time for fun, Sandy Brandy comes out. Sandy <laughs> Brandy. <laughs> That's a good nickname. That's going to be our title. <laughs> Sandy Brandy takes on Europe. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Right. That's so that is so funny. funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to talk also, about... Also, sorry. I actually remember now. My friend Jack Morris, he used to be under the handle Do You Travel. When we, I was in Greece at the same time as him. And I remember seeing that he got invited to some activation they did on a neighboring island. And it just looked like, I was like, oh, that's a dream, you know? It, like, I love, there's so many brands I would like love to work with, you know? 
But this was a brand that I literally buy their product 10 times a day. You love them. <laughs> I love them. You're I bought like, in. No other brand I'm doing that with. So that's kind of why it's the dream. You know? Dude. And well, what we, it just symbolizes for me, it's like, I yeah. feel like. You're putting it out there. Summer, fun. Like, this, like is, this, this, is the, this is the most passion I'm you've talked right, about. Please sponsor me. That's so funny. That's funny. Dude. Yeah. They're, uh, they're an avid listener of the pod, so we'll get you, get you sponsored. Um, this year, you said you're locking in on on business side of stuff and, and working on putting out capture. Is there something else as a creator that you're hoping to improve on this year? I mean, the biggest thing for me is just kind of reclaiming the power of not being tied to brands anymore to make money. Um, and that's kind of like why I'm pursuing these businesses, you know, like I want to take that power back into my own hands. I'm tired of being a slave to brands, even though I love working for certain brands and whatnot. Um, I've never been a fan of the whole agency model. And I kind of got it. I always think like a couple years ahead. And for me, skill set's not that scalable, you know? And so if I really want to make the, the income and have the career that I want and be able to have a family and pay for fucking private school and all the stuff, like I got to think bigger. And for me, these kind of more align with that. You know, like obviously like I'm always gonna, like I said, like with or without Instagram and platforms, like I'm always gonna be doing the stuff that I love doing. Um, but I'd love to take the need to do those to make money away and just focus on the things I'm truly passionate about. Yeah, unless it's Aperol Spritz, of unless course. Unless it's Aperol Spritz kind of thing. <laughs> no, like I'll always do the fun jobs. No, I do, I do. I, I did know. years of doing jobs that I'm just like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> That's fun. I mean, I'm excited to see what you make this year though. What, what, what do you think is the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice, do what you love. Focus on what you love. I mean, it sounds cliche, but I think, like you said, like 60% of people aren't happy with the jobs they have. And that's like such a fundamental, like dynamic of what it takes to like be happy with who you are. Um, so for me, it's like I spent so long searching for the bigger answer of what I wanted to do in life and how was I gonna make it. And when I when I heard that, it made me realize what was in front of me. And rather than searching for answers outside of that, I searched for the answers within that. And that's just been truly empowering to, to wake up every day and do the things that you love. Like I don't, I don't really ever feel like I'm working, you know, but I work more than probably someone that's complaining about their nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's I all mean, aligned with who I am and what yeah, I love to do. So definitely. it's just extensions of myself. And, mm -hmm. Totally. And that's just, it's fulfilling, you know? Mm -hmm. And then last question for you, what if you could go back and talk to your 18 year old self at the time when you're going through that limbo period, you tear your ACL twice, you're like, I don't know what is next for me. What advice would you give to your 18 year old self? So I trust the process. You know, people are really hard on themselves, um, just looking into the unknown. But when you look back on your life, it all kind of weaves into one beautiful story that all makes sense. And that's always the case. Um, so just trust the process and enjoy the journey. I love it. Brendan, thank you so much for coming on episode 98 of the 505 podcast. If you're love still it. here, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a like, drop a comment. We'll see you all next week. Peace.